thank God. I say thank God for two reasons tonight. One is that James corrected himself. That's probably the first one. <laughs> I want cookies when I get home. <laughs> I used to say she's my favorite wife, but now I need to say she's my only wife. <laughs> oh, God is good. We're glad that you're here this evening, both members and uh, visitors alike. We praise God for uh, this blessing and this wonderful opportunity. Let's go God to God, please, in prayer. Dear God in heaven, thank you for allowing us to know you. Thank you, Lord God, for opening up our hearts to understand your word. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus who died that we might live. And for us, as the lesson was brought to us, that we believed. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to believe. Thank you for ridding the hardness of the hearts of so many that at one time our hearts were hard, but you opened it, you softened it. Thank you. But we know that salvation would not exist unless you drew us to you. Thank you for reconciling us, for sanctifying us, for renewing us, and for forgiving us. Please bless us tonight as we worship you to rid our minds of all worldly thought, that we might focus only on your word, on you, your will, and your way. These things we do pray and thank you for. In that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Second Timothy chapter 4. Tonight's lesson, I have been poured out. Paul speaking to Timothy makes a statement that actually is a very popular statement even to this day. Poured out. Uh, poured out uh, has the idea of a complete uh, giving with no uh, no reservation. Every Roman meal ended with a small sacrificial ritual, and this ritual was to the gods. And what it was is they would take a cup of wine, and they would pour it out, some of it, to the gods. And this has become very popular even in our world today. In this sense, as we're reading in Timothy uh, in just a moment, Paul is saying the day is done, the meal is just about over, and I'm being poured out unto the Lord God. He made this statement as his heart uh, was on the executioner's block. He was willing and ready to make the ultimate sacrifice to our God. His statement that he made was one that was truly from the heart. And as as the liquid is completely emptied from the cup and and totally given to God, Paul was saying, I'm ready to be completely emptied to give everything there is to give to God, his life. Tonight, are you ready? Is your heart totally given to Christ? Second Timothy 4, verse 6 and 7 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. and the time of my departure has come, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. It's interesting that, let's turn to Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. 
that when Paul is making this statement, he's saying, I'm at the end of my life and there's nothing left to give to God. In just a moment, it's all going to be over. And I'm going to join God in the heavens. He's ready and willing to pour it all out. He says, I've given all. I've fought the good fight of faith. I've done what I was supposed to do. Now, Paul was willing to pour himself out, understanding that he was going to be a martyr. And the Roman Empire, they were true executioners. You know, Assyria was terrible. But the Romans came along and they took it to an entirely different level. Execution, persecution, and martyrdom. I want to read Daniel 7 just to give you an idea of what the Bible says of how terrible Rome, the Roman Empire, truly was. Verse 7 of Romans, of Daniel chapter 7. As this, after this I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. They were different from all the empires in the past. They were different from Egypt. They were different from Assyria. They were different from the empires that even would come in the future. They were uniquely different. They were different from Babylon. They were different from the Medes. They were different from the Persians. They were different from the Greeks. Those world empires, Rome was a different beast. And then in verse 19, the Bible says, Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, and which devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, and before which three of them fell, namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boast, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Notice that that this kingdom was waging war specifically against God's people, specifically against the saints, specifically against the church, until God, the Ancient of Days, turned things around for the saints. We're reading about that in the book of Revelation. Chapter 7 and verse 23. The Bible says, Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for me, as for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. He will intend to make alterations of times and law. And they will be given into his hand for a time's time and a half a time. So this was a terrible, irreverent kingdom. They were people that did not honor God. Philippians, please, chapter 1. They were people that 
did not love God's people. They didn't love, they were just a horrible, I don't know how else to describe how difficult and how terrible Rome was. Paul says, even to Rome, for the cause of Christ, I'm ready to be poured out. I'll give myself to them for Jesus. Verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And I want you to think about as you read, um, let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. As you read the New Testament, think about how terrible it must have been, and it was, literally, to be a Christian in those times, in that era, to serve God with, with such hatred against you for doing the right thing. And, and what a blessing it was, though, at the same time. What a blessing it was from God, as you're reading the New Testament, what a blessing it was from God to watch God interact with His people and His protection upon them. For without God, it would have been a whole lot different and worse. But with God, he protected his saints, and they were able to thrive as Christians. This is important. They were able to thrive as Christians, serving God, honoring God, living the way God expected them to, even in the midst of a terrible, terrible persecution. And this isn't new. When you go back to uh, Genesis, and you remember Enoch, Enoch was a faithful preacher, right? A preacher of righteousness. Think about the times that Enoch spoke in. Enoch spoke during a time when the world was so bad that what did God do? He sent the great flood and he destroyed the whole world except for Noah and his family. And so here Christianity is being exemplified, um, if you will, as one of the greatest opportunities that a man could ever participate in. And brethren, for us today, it's the same. It's the greatest opportunity to be able to serve God and and show to the world that God is alive, that God is real, that we live a life full of purpose. And Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, he said, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself, delivered himself up for me. There was a reason to be a Christian. People were proud to be Christians. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Jesus taught uh, a lesson. He said, uh, a wise man counts the cost before he makes a move. Today when we teach the Bible, we teach people uh, about God's salvation that God loves us, and we go through the, the Word of God prayer, prayerfully with a great foundation to help them to understand what it means, what it is you're hearing about Jesus. You're hearing uh, this, this great message of God that, that He is the Savior of the world, that He's the Creator of the world, and you believe that message. You took it down deep into your heart, and you believed the message of God. And regardless of what the world says, what atheists says, whatever, it doesn't matter. You believe the message that was spoken to you. And when you believed it, you repented in your heart. You turned your life around. You said, I want to give myself to God. I no longer want to live uh, in evil. I want to live for Jesus. And then we hear confession. You must confess that you believe Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of the living God. And you did that. And then you were baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. 
And then you stay true. But one thing we don't always talk about is a wise man counts the cost before making a move. Because see, during these times, it wasn't just this great message of salvation, but along with it it was, and know this for sure, that if the Roman Empire comes in, you could lose your life today. And so to that Jesus says, in Luke 9 and verse 23, he says this, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? You see, there was another element to this teaching. And that is, you have to be willing and ready to be poured out. So I want to talk about this for just a moment in our Christian lives. Luke chapter 10. As a Christian, uh, in our spiritual lives in which we're living, ultimately, ultimately this is what's going to happen. Ultimately we'll give all. There's this saying, uh, some gave all regarding the soldiers, but, but all gave, all gave some. The question tonight is how much are you willing to give? How much are we willing to really actually give to our Lord? To give all begins today. To give all is to leave nothing on the table. To completely surrender our lives to our Lord. How much are you willing to give? Are you ready and willing to be poured out in service, for example? Luke 10, verse 1 and verse 2. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two and two ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Are you willing and ready to be poured out in service to your Lord? Are you willing to be God sent? Are you willing to obey that call of our Lord? Romans chapter 2. Are you willing and ready to be poured out in faithfulness? I mean, true faithfulness to God. Verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, faithful to the Lord. Matthew chapter 18. Are you willing and ready to be poured out to the Lord in forgiveness? In forgiveness, meaning that you are willing, ready, and able to forgive those who wronged you and start over with a clean slate today and move forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Are you willing, are you ready, and are you able? Well, I know we're able if our heart is right. But think for just a moment. 
about the Roman Empire, the Pharisees, the scribes, and all those who were bringing um, persecution amongst the Christian faith. And then Jesus said, I also want you to remember this. Remember this morning's lesson with Ephesus? I want you to be ready to be poured out through love. Are you willing to pour your love out to the world? Even, even to those Romans. Even toward your enemy. Verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he calls his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, there's a, another level in this relationship with, with Jesus Christ when it comes to coming to the Lord and surrendering your life to him. Please turn to Mark chapter 12. What more could I do? What more can I do for the Lord? Well, Paul was at the end of his life. His heart was already on the chalking block. He was ready to go home to be with God. What more can you give? Brethren, let's focus on right now giving all. There was a woman in Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. And Jesus says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitudes were putting money into the treasury. And many people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put into two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling the disciples to him, he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put more than all the contributors into the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all that she had to live on, to give all. Matthew chapter 25. God is asking us, his children, to be ready to be poured out in every way to the Lord. And he says, it's worth it to you. When you count the cost, realize this, brother, we don't, I mean, you know, speaking in, in terms of uh, chronology, the majority of us that are listening tonight don't have much longer on the earth, chronologically speaking. Ready to give all? Preparing ourselves for our future home to be with the Lord. This is that very real subject, right? That touchy thought. Not, not that we're saying, Lord, take us now, but, but are you ready if you were to go now, are you ready to stand before the Lord and God say to you, well done, ye good and faithful servant? Or do you fear what God will say to you? What is your life or what has it been like with the Lord? Where are you, spiritually speaking, deep within your heart in this relationship with our wonderful and loving God? Matthew 25, verse 37. The Bible says, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, 
You did it to me. Can someone honestly and truly say about me that the way that I live my life is I try to ensure that Matthew 7 verse 12 was in my heart. That Matthew 25, that I tried to do all that I could for my neighbor, for the brethren, for the Lord, that I was willing to pour myself out and give all that I could possibly give. Matthew 7 and verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore what you want one to do for you, you do for them. Will someone be able to say that I truly tried to do everything for you? That I would like for you to do to me. Have I lived my life in such a way? Please turn to Mark chapter 10. Have I lived my life in such a way to where I have proven to be poured out for the Lord? Mark 10 in verse 21. The rich young ruler's response was different from the apostles and the disciples. In verse 21, uh, the Bible says there, And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. But at these words, his face fell, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. You see, the problem, the problem was this, that that was what was keeping him out of heaven. What is keeping you out of heaven? I mean, it, it's something. Is there something today that you have to fight against? As we fight against temptation, is there something that you are fighting against? And you have to keep fighting until the end. I encourage you, keep fighting. Because I know the answer is yes, there's something. Or many things that you're fighting against because we're human. And I want to encourage you to keep fighting for your soul. Keep fighting for your spiritual condition and your spiritual life in Jesus. Keep fighting and do not give up. Do not give in. Give all that you can give. Give all that you can give. So that in the end, you'll reap the reward of heaven to be with God. And in no way are we saying that we're working our way into heaven. But the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And so do all that you can do. Allow God to take care of the rest. I'm going to close in Mark chapter 10 and verse 28 because here's what Jesus has to say about what we give. When we give all, we need to recognize something that in reality, we're not really giving a whole lot. For Jesus says, whatever you give to me, I promise I'll give it back to you in this life as well as in the life to come. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, behold, We have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake or for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children, and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Tonight, are you willing and are you ready to give all? God bless you.